This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN for MVSW Redux Wednesdays here. Also, we'll play part of the interview that Elliot and I did last Friday with Bill Guerin, general manager of the uh, Minnesota Wild. Minnesota, a little bit frisky yesterday, picking up a couple of players. The Rangers, though, uh, with the headline maker that everybody saw coming. It was the slowest wind-up and the slowest pitch and may end up being a tape measure home run. Uh, but I don't think anybody was surprised. Certainly Vince Mercogliano wasn't from Loha.com. Uh, Vince joins me now. Vince, how are you today, pal? Pretty good, Jeff. You know, it's been quiet around here the last few days. <laughs> well, and even like even without the uh, you know outside of the uh, of the, the the Pat Kane story, and we're going to get there in a couple of seconds. You know, I can't tell you how many people are, are texting me this this Sportico piece about MSG Plus, uh, thirty a month, three hundred ten a year, access to all MSG produced Knicks, Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Sabers games. Uh, 24-7 access to the company's linear channels, etc. Like, I, I wonder if the entire industry, like we wondered this with Fenway Sports and, and their acquisitions of properties, if everything was headed towards a way of, you know, gobbling up properties and then starting a streaming service. Um, I don't know how much brain time you've dedicated to this one, but do you have a, a thought on MSG Plus? Yeah, well, I mean, they've had some issues with certain cable providers in the area, so I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for a way to kind of watch the game without having to be signed up with a specific cable provider. So I think fans, if they have the option to stream those games without having to go through different channels, will be happy about that. I mean, as far as Madison Square Garden, it's a big business over there, as I'm sure you know. So they constantly seem to be expanding and growing and looking at new entertainment venues and all that kind of stuff. So. It is definitely uh, a lot of stuff going on for for the owner besides just what goes on with the Rangers. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, we'll park that story and get to the big one on ice. Uh, and I think we all want to see Pat Kane against the Philadelphia Flyers. We understand why that's probably not the smartest idea, but. This is New York, baby. Um, just your, your your wide brush thoughts on because you've covered it from day one. Your thoughts on the entire saga? Like I'm I'm of the belief that Kane probably had it this in his head that he was going to the Rangers a couple of months ago. Then there was the Vlad Tarasenko speed bump. There was the impassioned plea to get to the New York Rangers, which I think we're going to look back on and say this is what I was one of the more unique interviews that we ever saw. Or one of the more you know, unique stances that an NHL player has ever taken trying to will his way to the Rangers. Uh, the speculation that maybe James Dolan got involved to make this. Like, how do you look at this entire saga, Vince? Because it's not just a it's not just a, a singular trade between two teams. It's an entire ordeal here. No, it's been such a winding road, Jeff. Chris Drury is a, metic- is a meticulous planner. And I, I really, truly believe that from the beginning, their plan all along and what they very clearly budgeted for was to go out and acquire a big-time scoring impact right winger, and they were looking at all the big names out there, Kane, Tarasenko, Meyer was always a little bit more of a long shot because of all the different salary cap issues that would have presented moving forward, and I also think they felt the price tag yeah. was going to be the highest there. So I, I believe they had really zeroed in on Kane and Tarasenko, and all along they knew they wanted to get one of those guys, and then they would have enough room to fill in on the margins, get a left-handed defenseman, fill out their bottom six, those type of things. And when they made the trade for Tarasenko earlier in February, 
there was a variety of reasons they leaned in that direction. Being able to get Nico Mikola in the deal, I know, was a big part of it for them. Yep. At the time, Kane's production was down, and I know that they had concerns about the hip. The whole league seemed to be talking about the hip at that point. And they also felt like the price that they paid to get Tarasenko and, and Mikola was more bang for their buck than at the time what I believe the Blackhawks were asking for for Kane. So all of those things motivated them to go in the Kane direction. And if you follow this team as I have throughout the season and track their roster movement, they had ample opportunities early in the season to accrue more cap space. They carried 23, the full 23 men roster for weeks at a time when it wasn't necessary. So I believe they had very carefully budgeted to add one of Tarasenko or Kane and then fill in those other spots that we discussed. But then what we've seen transpire in the last week or two is like you touched on Kane making it very clear that the Rangers were the team that he wanted to go to. And my understanding is that for him, it was Rangers or bust. I, I do not know for sure, but I don't believe from what I've heard that he would have waived his no movement clause to go anywhere else. So in, in the Rangers minds and in Chris Drury's mind, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, now all of a sudden the leverage has flipped. Now we don't need to discuss Capo Caco yeah. or Philip Heedle or Alexi Lafreniere in a deal like that. We don't even need to talk about our remaining first-round pick, which I know they wanted to keep in the upcoming draft, or their top prospects like Brennan Offman. Now all of a sudden they're saying, okay, we can do this deal without having to touch our primary assets. Do we want to do what we have to do to make it happen? And what ensued was this mad scramble, all of this cap shenanigans that we saw in the last handful of days that showed that they had not planned for this, but all of a sudden they decided, you know what, we're going all in. We're going to make this happen. And I think getting him at the discounted yeah. price tag sort of made those hip concerns go away. And then, you know, the last piece of it is you look at what Kane did in his last four games of Chicago where he explodes for 10 points. I think that made everybody's yeah. antenna go up, and I think that was the final thing to sort of nudge the Rangers over the finish line. You know, when it became, you know, Vince, when it became obvious that Patrick Kane was going to the Rangers and it was only going to be like they needed to do some salary cap yoga and, and get it there and get it over the finish line. You know, I had one person say to me, we here wonder if James Dolan got involved. Like after that interview, that impassioned plea, that woe is me, I'm not going to be a Ranger interview that Patrick Kane gave. You know, that would get on James Dolan's radar and that would prick up his ears and that would, you know, we've seen James Dolan can be very involved and can be very hands-on. I think we wonder if that was a moment where James Dolan, you know, maybe not so gently whispered to Chris Drury, Patrick Kane wants to be here. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's uh, still got plenty of game left. He'd be a wonderful addition. I know it's not going to be easy and it might not even be the plan right now. But you need to do whatever it takes to get Patrick Kane here. Do you think that's a plausible you know, theory? You know, Jeff, I had the same thought. And, and it honestly would not surprise me because I know that, that those big splashy moves that, that make the team grab the headlines in New York City where the headlines are very competitive to grab with all the different pro sports yeah. teams that we have here. I, I would not be surprised if that turned out to be the case. But I will tell you this. I asked somebody recently in the last couple of days about that possibility. And I was told that, that he's been pretty hands off about this. And I know in general, since Chris Drury took over, he's been pretty hands off with pretty much everything that Chris Drury has done. So I, I can't sit here mm. and tell you that I have solid information that he was really involved, but to your point, knowing 
his tendencies in the past, it would not surprise me if he was all in favor of, of this move, certainly for some of the reasons that we talked about. Take us, um, take us into New York here. Um, it's, you know, the, the showbiz capital, it's, uh, I mean, listen, everybody wants to go there. Like the Rangers are, are not on anyone's no move list, no trade list for rather. Um, it's a, it's destination. It's a box checking team for a lot of, uh, for, for a lot of hockey players. What's the mood in New York now? Patrick Kane's arriving. Patrick Kane is a New York Ranger. We've seen the New York Rangers around trade deadline time bring in, you know, superstars, like absolute superstars. How is this one resonating in the in the local market? Uh, fans are just over the moon right now, Jeff. Like some of them, I think, are having pinch me moments in the last couple of days because once again, once the Tarasenko deal happened, everybody figured that was the big move, and the rest of the moves that they would make would yeah. be relatively minor. So I think people seeing what is really on paper looks like a super team. When you size up at least five of these forwards on this team are all-star caliber guys, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider, Kane, Tarasenko. You add in Adam Fox, who's going to be a Norris Trophy candidate this year, Igor Shosturkin, one of Vesna. And then you look at all the first-round picks that we're not even touching on in recent years. Lafreniere, Kako, Hedl, Miller, Schneider. I mean, the star power is outrageous. So it's going to play incredibly well in this market. What's going to be interesting, what I keep thinking about in these last few days, is you look at the Eastern Conference right now, there are six teams that all feel like they have a legitimate chance to win the Cup. And we know what the first-round matchups are likely going to be. The Jersey matchup will play really well in this area. That will be incredibly oh, exciting to, to cover. So good. But, you know, if, if, if a team like the Rangers, I mean, sure, I'm sure in Toronto you could say the same thing with the Leafs. You could say the same thing in a lot of places. But if these teams that have quite clearly gone all in and loaded up, they're not all going to make it as far as they want to make it. So what will be the repercussions if there's disappointment? I don't want to be, you know, the Debbie Downer today, but it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly this team can mesh. They're super, they're super loaded on skill, but you know, will it click in time and will it all fall into place the way that they're hoping it it will? The talent's obviously there, but it's going to be a really tough road ahead for them. You sound like a Canadian hockey fan, Vince, when you start talking about that, like what if it fails? What if there's a, like every single, like Toronto does this, Montreal does this, Edmonton does this, Vancouver does this, like stop sounding like a Canadian, Vince, like being more, more optimistic and getting it, get ahead of yourselves with excitement, not, uh, not negativity. Um, having said that, I, I do want to ask you about one thing that, you know, I, I had more than a couple of people now, mind you, they were agents, so you can understand that thought that you know the situation with uh, with Schneider and Carpenter was distasteful like there's nothing wrong with it doesn't contravene the CBA or or anything but you know one player gets out there for 13 seconds the other doesn't get on the ice at all we all know about the cap maneuvering to make sure there's a space for Patrick Kane and at the end of it I really don't think I don't think that uh, you know Chris Drury cared if a couple of noses were out of joint or there were some hurt feelings or a couple of hockey players got boo-boo face I don't think he cares because at the end of it he gets Patrick Kane but Getting there, it broke a couple of eggs. How did you feel about that situation? I actually just talked to Braden Schneider like 20 minutes ago. So I can tell you directly from him, he was all smiles. He said, happy to do my part. He said they explained everything to him in advance. It made total sense. But what struck me about some of the young guys in the locker room, like I just talked to Philip Heedle as well. I know Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco have said this as well. 
these guys, that generation of hockey player, grew up idolizing Patrick Kane. And for them, it's like such a pinch-me, cool moment to have him walk into the locker room, especially the skill guys. Like all the young forwards say, I wanted to emulate him. I wanted to be like him when I was a kid. I saw him scoring those clutch playoff goals, and that's what I dreamed about myself doing. That's what Philip Hedo was just talking about. So I think the players didn't really take Mm -hmm. issue with it. Um, so, and again, you know, you look at this team now on paper, they're so loaded. So I don't want to sound like I'm being pessimistic, but you do also look at the, the roster that they're going to have moving forward by doing this move. They have very much committed to a 21 man roster for the foreseeable future. And even for tonight, they're yeah. not going to have Keandre Miller. I don't think they're going to have Ryan Lindgren. Yeah. There's a good chance they're going to play tonight with 11 forwards and five defensemen. And if they have injuries in the next few handful of weeks, they're not really going to be able to recall guys. So you're not going to have an opportunity to rest your top guys. You're going to have to really ride your horses all the way down the stretch here, even if you lock up a playoff spot. So they have limited their roster flexibility severely, and they're not really going to have much chance to rest their top guys. So you do worry about injury now, and you do worry about how much they're going to have to use their go-to guys down the stretch because they really don't have alternatives right now. Yeah, but, but at the end of all of it, they got Patrick Kane. Yeah, like that. Like yeah. that's like yeah. and they, they got. And, and I think everybody. Like I, I, I. I think everybody in the organization is more than willing to make those. Like Braden Schneider, you know, however much money it cost him in the last couple of days, the guy had the biggest smile on his face when I just spoke to him a handful of minutes ago. So yeah. I, I think everybody is all in on what they did to try to get there. I don't think there are any hurt feelings or anything like that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Vince, you're great. Thanks for uh, sharing your expertise, sharing your insight. Always appreciated here. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the trade deadline. And then, like, man, I- I- I'm like everybody else. I can't wait for the first round already. That Ranger-Devils matchup is just tasty. Just a tasty-looking matchup. That one should be uh, and could be one for the ages. Uh, Vince, thanks as always, pal. You'd be good. You too, Jeff. Thanks. Vince Mercogliano joins me from uh, from Loha.com on a regular basis covering the New York Rangers. And yesterday, it's official surprise, surprise. Patrick Kane is now a member of the Rangers. And yeah, I'm I'm with, you know, the majority of people on this opinion that, you know, that was the only place that he was going to go. Not unlike what we saw with the Philadelphia Flyers last year with Claude Giroux, uh, that if he was going to go anywhere, his preference was that it was uh, to Florida and Florida only. This is a similar, if not identical, conversation. Like There were plenty of teams that were in and around Patrick Kane. Edmonton uh, was one of those teams. Dallas uh, was one of those teams. By the way, just as a quick aside, I think we're all wondering and, and waiting here. I know they made the Garianoff move, but I, I think we're all sort of waiting. As much as we talk about Carolina and what's their big move going to be, and again, I'll repeat what I said yesterday, I still wonder if Carolina's big move is sitting there in Calgary I think we're also wondering, what's Dallas's move here? Could the Dallas Stars be one of those teams that are in on Chikrin? They have a lot of young players. Uh, I know they don't have their first, but they have a lot of young players they, they can play with here. Know that Arizona doesn't want to take back any money. Can Dallas make that happen? Or can Matt Dallas make anything happen at this point? They do want to get tougher to play against up front. That's why Tyler Bertuzzi makes some sense. But will Detroit move them? Dropping a pair of games against the Ottawa Senators. Does that move things along? We'll see. Hour two's coming up. Uh, joining me next from ESPN, the one and only Greg Wyshynski across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. It's the Merrick Show. Back in a moment. 
everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so the very latest, in case you missed it last segment, Lars Eller goes from the Washington Capitals to the Colorado Avalanche for a second-round draft pick. Clutch playoff player, versatile, can play center, can play wing, can win face-offs. A really smart pickup by a team that might just win this whole thing again, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, okay, want to get to this interview. So last Friday... Uh, at a downtown location, a downtown hotel. Elliot and I sat down with Bill Guerin, Minnesota Wild general manager. Covered a wide range of topics, and if you want to hear the entire interview, it's available on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. The video, and it looks really well, it looks really good, it's shot really well. Um, the video will be available Thursday at our Sportsnet YouTube channel. So here he is, the general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Spoiler, I don't think he's even close to being done this year at trade deadline. Bill Guerin on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Enjoy some of this interview. I remember talking to a GM once about his relationship with his owner. And he said to me that my owner at the beginning of the year gives me a budget. And I'm allowed to do whatever I need to do in that budget. But I also know that if I'm going to make a big move, I have to warn him first. Like, I feel my job is no surprises. He says, I'm allowed to do small things that won't bother him at all, but I think if there's anything that's big, I warn him. Other than that, I don't bother him with trivial things. So I'm always interested in that, how a GM yeah. feels about the owner, that kind of thing. Since day one, I told Craig, uh, you'll never be surprised. You're never going to get an alert on your phone or mm-hmm. whatever. And I almost said pick up the paper. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to get an alert on your phone saying the Minnesota Wild – you know, have made this move, you're going to know well before that. You know what? Small things that don't make a difference. No, we'll, we'll just do it. Yeah. But like things like this. Yeah. He, he's got to know and we've got to get his okay. Like it's so important to have support from the top mm-hmm. and, and we do. Maybe what's the most expensive thing that people don't know about? Stick budgets. Yeah. God, stick budgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what creeps up, honestly, or just payrolls. Mm-hmm. You know what? If you have a big scouting staff, a small scouting staff, it, it, it creeps up in there. Yeah, equipment costs are, are crazy. I mean, skates and sticks are just, they're so expensive now. Travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all charter and we all Never stay hungry in, league. We all stay in, <laughs> you know, hotels like this. The, the travel is is incredible, but, uh, I mean, it all adds up. I mean, you're a great guy, and I'm sure when you were a player, you weren't shy about handing a kid a stick. Hey, here you go, young man. <laughs> hey, young lady, no problem. Now, as a manager, when you see your players just handing out sticks whenever they see fit and getting the applause as being the generous one here, what goes through your mind? I love it. You know why? Because that kid is a future fan. You know, he's a future season ticket holder. He's a future jersey buyer or whatever. Yeah. And you know what? So it's an investment. Yeah, I think so. And I think, hey, look, I don't want guys throwing sticks out left (laughs) and right. Of course, we have a budget. But you know what? I think that also says something about the players in our game, too, Mm -hmm. that they're willing to, you know, take the time and connect with a young fan. And I I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're dollars, right? But there's also something more to that. You just made a kid's life, like, or day or week or whatever. Mm -hmm. You just had a connection to them. 
The story I remember is just some of your stuff about your career. I love the story about the recruitment by Dallas. Like, did yeah. you did you know that Tom Hicks was going to knock on your door at midnight? No, that was Terry O'Reilly. That was from the uh, Rangers. Oh, I thought it was because someone said to me, like, like Tom Hicks sent the plane at midnight or something. No, he came in that day. Okay. But at midnight, my wife and I were staying at a hotel in downtown Boston. And uh, the Rangers sent Terry because he was the assistant coach there at the time. Yeah. And he was like my hero. Like, I love Terry O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. So they sent him over with a jersey for me, jerseys for the kids, a Tiffany Apple with the Rangers thing on it for my wife, and this DVD with all these stars on it and stuff. And and then the next morning, Tom Hicks flew in on his plane with Doug Armstrong and Dave Tippett, Guy Carboneau, and we met with them for a while and it was yeah it was it was nuts what it were the awesome. offers like because you signed for five really times good. nine yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like were they all close like did you ever turn to your wife in the middle of that and say holy smokes like i can't believe what's going on here yeah they they were all really good i had four really good offers you know one from new york one from dallas one from toronto and one from detroit kenny holland and i laugh about it all the time <laughs> and uh but there was always like something just off in the other ones. And Dallas just seemed like such a good fit. You know, I really liked the team. The city seemed great and it ended up being great. And Mr. Hicks was a fantastic owner. And, you know, like I said, like it takes a lot to, he put a ton of money into that and, Mm -hmm. you know, he signed a bunch of guys. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was a very cool experience. What was the Toronto pitch like? That's the thing that stood out to me. I didn't realize was that they were that big. Uh, it's pretty much the same deal. And it was... Uh, Daryl Stiller didn't knock on your door or anything like that? No, or? no, no. It wasn't anything like that. It was it was straight straight about the money. And <laughs> um, But you know what? I, I think knowing like Mike Madonna and a few other guys on the team, mm-hmm. you know, Darian Hatcher, and just seeing what type of team that they had down there, that was... That kind of swayed me down there. Let me ask you about your team. And yep. I think that your build, like the style of team that you're building with Minnesota is the envy of a lot of other teams in the NHL. Like when I hear what the Philadelphia Flyers want to do with their team, I think every time it might be in John Tortorella's voice, but that's Bill Guerin's team that he's talking about. Like when you think about what you want this team to be, like I look at skill, I see toughness, like there's a whole, like you can play a lot of different ways. Like when you look at what team you want, I know you're not going to say you're, you're there yet because you haven't won the Stanley Cup, but is this your team? This is what, is this what you've wanted? This style of team? First of all, thank you. Yeah, it is. I just feel like to be successful, you, you have to be able to play different types of games, different environments. You need a certain level of grit and toughness, and that comes in different ways. Ryan Reeves is a very tough guy in one way, or a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. but he's a tough guy. Kirill Kaprizov is also a very tough guy. He doesn't back away from anything. He wins all his battles. He goes to the traffic. Mm -hmm. Both tough guys, both very different, and you have to have everybody in between that doing the same thing. Same thing with Zuki. Zuki's you know, a, a smaller player, but he's got jam. He's got, he, he's brave. You need that. And I want our team to be able to play their best game in the most hostile environment. Hmm. 
So if you're playing another tough team and the crowd's crazy and all that stuff, I want our team to be so mentally tough too that we can play our best game in that environment. Trade deadline on the horizon after that GM meetings. What's a front burner issue for Bill Guerin at the GM meetings? I was just talking to somebody about this, and I, I don't – I think the game's in a pretty good spot, but I think I'd like to look at the the playoff format, you know, maybe going back to the one through eight. But, again, that's so on the surface because, mm-hmm. you know, I can say that because, you know, you look at some of the matchups that have happened in the first round and you're losing at least one really good team way too early. But I know it's just not that simple. Like, it takes so much to just make a change like that. It's not just, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to do it. I mean, the league has to do so many different things in, in order for that to happen. And it, it's really tough to argue with the success our league has had, you know, in the last while. So I do think our game's in a pretty good spot, but that would be one for me. I, there's always, like, little little things here and there with different rules. Like right now I'm seeing like more interference than we've seen in years past. Like, Mm -hmm. can there be a crackdown on that? Like if a guy dumps a puck in the defenseman isn't supposed to be able to really hold them up, but I see it all the time now, you know, is that one little thing that we can get better on kind of like we got better on the slashing and the cross checks and things Mm -hmm. like that. Are picks a big issue? Yes. Yes. They are. Excellent point. We got called for it two nights ago, and then I, I've seen it five times since. And it's a tough call. Like it's, but it is, it is happening, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it's, uh, especially like four on four and things like that when there's more movement. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think that. Do you expect that to come up at the GMs? Yeah. Maybe it will now. <laughs> Expanded playoffs, yes or no? I could be sold on maybe like a play-in. I have to maybe think a little bit deeper about it. I'm usually more inclined to stay with tradition. But when I first came in the league, there were 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now there's 32 and 16 make the playoffs. That's an interesting point, uh, one that's been made before. Uh, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, that full interview, by the way, is available at the latest uh, 32 Thoughts podcast, uh, which is available at your favorite podcatcher. The full video of that, and it's really shot well. Um, and I think there's some scenes of us playing pool with Bill as well um, after the interview. Uh, spoiler, Bill wins. Um, that's available at our Sportsnet YouTube channel. That comes out on Thursday. Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, one, we mentioned the Washington Capitals making the move, sending Lars Eller uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. A second-round pick goes the other way. So we are wondering still, as, as the Washington Capitals and you know Brian McClellan is you know stripping this thing down as much as he can without touching any part of the core of this organization, Gustafson goes yesterday before it was Orloff and uh, Hathaway. Connor Sheary is still very much out there, but he's on an expiring contract. Trevor Van Riemsdyk out there on an expiring contract. Craig Smith, who they picked up, 
in the Boston deal and Nicholas Obey-Kubel. We wonder about those players. Um, you know, Johansson's gone, Hathaway, Orloff, Eller, and Gustafson, as we mentioned. Tonight, the Washington Capitals will face off against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, that's one of your two late starts this evening. And the Anaheim Ducks are holding out John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov for trade-related reasons. Klingberg was essentially brought in on the one-year $7 million deal um, to be used as, as much as helping, you know, shepherding you know, younger players on that lineup um, through a season, but also to be used, quite bluntly, as trade bait. And it looks like that is happening. Uh, not exactly sure where John Klingberg will end up. I had wondered at one point about the Winnipeg Jets, but then was reminded by someone that it wasn't, how do I say this? It wasn't as if when they were in Dallas together, John Klingberg and Rick Bonus saw eye to eye on many things. So not so sure that Winnipeg would be a landing spot for John Klingberg. You might look at that and say, well, his old coach is there. Not necessarily sure that's going to happen. We do think that the Winnipeg Jets, by the way, will make a move um, for a defenseman. That's probably where Kevin Sheveldayoff is is looking now. Uh, as for Dmitry Kulikov, you know, it's, in, it's interesting. I talked to someone a few weeks ago, and this was about the Gavrikov situation, and not just because they rhyme, but this one person said to me, look, as soon as Gavrikov goes, and now he's gone to the Los Angeles Kings, watch attention turn to Dmitry Kulikov. Very dependable, safe defenseman, great for your stretch run, great for your playoffs, and it looks like that is happening now with the Anaheim Ducks holding out both John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov before their game tonight against the Washington Capitals. That was a big show. Uh, they're all big shows. This trade deadline week. Another one tomorrow. Uh, thanks to everyone who took part. Uh, thanks to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. He's here every Wednesday. Thanks to Vince Mercogliano talking about the Patrick Kane trade to the Rangers. Vince works at Loha.com and Elliot Friedman, who continues to break stories. Follow that man uh, and everyone behind the scenes here, whether it's our producer, Matt Marchese, uh, whether it's Lance Kennedy making it sound good or Jen Roldick making it look tasty on the magic eyeball. Thanks to all of you. Merrick Show back tomorrow at noon as trade deadline week continues here on the program.